Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Well, man, it is good to be with you this morning. I'm reminded this morning of almost 11 years ago, on August 28th, 11 years ago, 11 years ago on August 28th, I was living in Atlanta. My wife and I, we were living in Atlanta and um, just outside of Atlanta. And we both actually worked really close to Atlanta, but we lived in the suburbs. And August 28th, almost 11 years ago, was a Friday. And on that Friday, going from where we worked to our home would normally take about an hour and a half to two hours, maybe more, just because of traffic. Without traffic, it's a 25, maybe 30, maybe 30-minute drive. But on a Friday afternoon after work, it's about a two-hour drive. You're sitting in traffic. I mean, it's, it's miserable. And I'll never forget this. Almost 11 years ago, on a Friday afternoon, I'm driving home from work, and I get a phone call from my wife, and, and she says, it's time. It's time. And so now at this point, I'm panicking because I'm, I can't get home as fast as I want to get home because I'm, I'm in traffic and there's nothing I can do about it. And, and I'm, I'm rushing as fast as I can. I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about my driving skills and whether or not I tailgate as it is. But this particular Friday, I was trying to push everybody into the car in front of them for them to get out of the way and me to go get home because my wife said it was time. Well, what was it time for? It was actually time for her to give birth to our first son. She had been pregnant and August 28th, almost 11 years ago, it was time for her to go into labor and give birth to our son. So when I got home, I, I, I remember we, uh, we, you know, we had a bag packed and we got in the car and we drove immediately to the hospital and some hours later, our son was born. And it was one of the most intense miraculous, beautiful, spiritual, holy, divine moments of my life. Um, There there were many uh, funny moments within that time. Um, There were some um, difficult moments, not because of labor or delivery, but just because there was several minutes that I was in a headlock. And I was in a serious headlock, like not just like a little headlock, like not just come here, honey, comfort me while I'm pushing, like, all full on, like I can't breathe, <laughs> headlock. But we got through that. We got through that. And, and Isaiah, our oldest, was born. And before he was actually put in this little, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called, but this little container area thing where he actually grabs this thing and pulls it onto his head and we all freak out. Before that happened, he's born and the doctors get him and and they have him and here's our son, our firstborn son. And I mean, it's just, it's a divine moment. It's, It's a spiritual moment. And the doctors asked me if I wanted to cut the cord, if I wanted to cut the umbilical cord, 
Now, I, I had been to like all the parenting classes, so I knew what was happening here. I knew they were going to ask me that. I was ready for this moment. And, and um, really, it was probably those parenting classes that I even knew what an umbilical cord was, if I'm honest with you. But what I, what I found out at some point before that was the umbilical cord was actually the way that Isaiah was able to breathe and get nutrients and essentially sustain his life and grow while he was in his mother's womb. And coming out and being birthed into the world that that umbilical cord was cut because he could no longer sustain life in that way. He no longer would get his breath from his mother. He no longer would get the nutrients that he needed in that way from his mother. He would still get it from his mother, but now that he was birthed into the world, he would get a different way. And so the doctor's standing there, and he says, do you want to cut the cord? And I'm saying, absolutely. I want to do everything for this little guy. Like, I, I, I want to be everything. I want to be superhero. I want to be the smartest guy. I want to be the best dad. I want to, I, so yes, absolutely. He gives me these scissors. And, and I cut the umbilical cord, and at that moment, Isaiah entered into a new stage of life. If Isaiah, as this infant newborn, would have said, you know what? I refuse to breathe on my own. I refuse to eat in any other way other than this umbilical cord. He would have died very soon after that umbilical cord was cut. But that's not the way that God designed him. That's not the way that God designed us. God designed us to get what we need from that umbilical cord for those months, for that season. And then there is a time where we have to cut the cord and we have to get and sustain life from another way. Not another source, but another way. And that was the moment that that happened with Isaiah. It was an amazing moment. Like I said, after that, they pick him up. They put him in this, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's like this, I don't know. It's a, like a container. That's not the right word for this. <laughs> and Isaiah, I'll never forget it. He reaches up and he grabs this thing. I don't know what it was, but it was metal, and he pulls it. I mean, he's like minutes old. He's not even hours old, and he pulls it, and it hits him right on the head. And then he starts crying, and the nurses and everybody look over like, what did he do? He shouldn't be able to do that. It's just because he's exceptional. It's just because he's amazing. Like he's a kid that could do that at two minutes old. <laughs> but, but, he, but just naturally, he went from one season into another season. He went from one way being able to sustain life to another way being able to sustain life. And over the next three weeks, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about cutting the cord. We're going to talk about how if you continue to try to live off of that umbilical cord and whatever that umbilical cord is in your life, meaning you continue to try to be sustained and grow based on how God did it in the past, I'm telling you we're in a new season. You've been birthed into something new, and in that new season, you can't get things the way that you used to get them. You're going to get them from the same source, but you're going to have a new method, a new way for these things. Things to happen. And to show you that, we're going to start today in uh, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and, and we're, going to, we're, man, we're going to look at an example of this that's maybe one of the most popular biblical examples of this. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, 
went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, you may know uh, what this is talking about, you may not. So let me quickly give you a little context here. You have this guy named Saul, who he was passionate, he was powerful, and he was diligent, and he was excellent at uh, rounding up people who believed in Jesus. At this point, it was called the way. It wasn't called Christianity. It was called the way. At finding these people, imprisoning them, even having them stoned to death. And, 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 and he was, I mean, he was, he was essentially a Christian terrorist. And he was good at it. So here he is, and this is a moment where he is ready to murder. He is ready to terrorize. He's looking for men and women and anybody that he can identify that believes in the way, that believes in Jesus, so that he can imprison them or, again, have them killed. Now, in verse 3, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, there's a lot in this that that we don't have time for, but I, I think it's really interesting that when Saul finally encounters the Lord, the first thing that happens is he falls. Whether he chooses to fall or the power of God makes him fall, falling, being, um, laying prostrate on the ground, whether you're on your stomach or on your back, it's not clear in this text, but however you're laying, it is a posture of humility. It's a posture that, that, that represents that the powerful one is more powerful than you. And I think we need to step back and remember that, especially in this season. The all-powerful one is more powerful than you. God When he shows up on the scene, our posture is a posture of humility because we can't even stand in the midst of the power of God when when it manifests and when it comes down in this way. And that applies not just to us, that applies to what's going on in our world, in our communities, in our society, in in, in everywhere around us, in the world, in, in nature, everywhere. This power brings people and places and things to a place of humility, a place of worship, a place of awe. And he falls to the ground and he heard a voice. Now, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, so it's always good to hear God's word. But I love this because this actually says that Saul heard God's voice before he believed. That Saul was somebody who was out to attack and kill Christians and he heard God's voice. If you don't yet believe in Jesus and you're watching right now, I believe that you can hear God's voice even right now in this very moment through this text. And these, some of these questions that are asked and some of these questions that we're about to read that Saul answers are questions that you also need to answer and make decisions for your own self. He says, why are you persecuting me? And he said in verse 5, who are you, Lord? 
Who are you? This is the most important question that you or I or anyone else will ever answer. The most important question that you will ever answer is not who you marry. It's not where you'll go to school. It's not what am I going to do with my life? What's my purpose? Those are not the most important questions you will ever answer. The most important question that you will ever answer is who are you, Lord? And to find the answer to who the Lord is will be the most powerful, the most rewarding, the the most faithful and substantial answer that you will ever receive. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. We don't really have time for this, but I love how Jesus says, I am. You know, he could have just said, like God said in the Old Testament, I am that I am, or just that I am, kind of like I am. I am the man. I am fill in the blank. I am whatever you need. But Jesus here says, I am Jesus. I am the anointed one. I am the Christ whom you are persecuting. I am the Lord. I am, I am God, and you are in opposition to me. Why? Because you're not living for me. You're not doing what it is that I want you to do and what I've purposed for you to do. And that's a problem. That's a problem for Saul and that's a problem for us, whether we don't yet know Jesus or whether we do know Jesus. When you are not doing what Jesus wants you to do, that's a problem. And then in verse 6 it says, but rise and enter the city. And you will be told what you are to do. I love this because whether we're first giving our lives to Jesus and this is the new season that we're coming into or whether we've been following Jesus for any amount of time and we're coming into a new season, Jesus is always about action. Faith without works is dead. He doesn't tell Saul to like, okay, just sit here and do nothing and just study and pray and read for the next 17 years or until you die. Nope, he immediately says, rise and enter the city and there you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. You know, sometimes people can get a little bit of what God's saying to you, a little bit of what God's leading you to do, a little bit of what God's changing on the inside of you, but they don't always see it all. Sometimes God hides himself from others to give you a specific word, a specific purpose, a specific uh, goal or, or, or assignment, and not everybody's going to see that. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, I I love that because Ananias recognized the voice of the Lord. Which when you begin to follow Jesus, I I believe one of the first and one of the most important skills that you need to learn and spiritual disciplines that you need to learn is how to hear the voice of the Lord. Because if you can hear the voice of the Lord, then you have at your disposal every answer that you'll ever need. Ananias, the Lord calls to him and Ananias immediately recognizes it's the Lord. He doesn't ask any questions. He doesn't say, who are you? And and, is that you? Or no, 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 here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. 
And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Here he's saying is like, Lord, you know that that's a terrorist, right? You know that he is specifically looking for people like me to imprison us or kill us. You know that, right? And he has the authority to do it. He not only has the power, but he has the authority. He has the permission to do it from the, the worldly natural leaders. Like, God, what are you asking me to do? See, in this season where you've had your umbilical cord cut, maybe that means that the, the, the job that you've been relying on, that you've been sustaining from, and that's why you've been living, it's been cut. Maybe it's this fear of the future that you've been holding on to for dear life, and it's been cut. Maybe it, 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 it could be all kinds of different things. It's a, a fear of, of getting COVID-19 or a fear of police or a fear, like whatever it is it's been cut and now you're in this new season this new way where the the source remains the same God is still our protector our provider he is our everything but the way that he will provide that umbilical cord has been cut and now all of a sudden <laughs> Ananias is like Lord it's one thing to ask me to sit here and pray and talk to you and develop that spiritual discipline like I got that but now you're, ask, you're cutting that cord and you're asking me to do something that is flat out dangerous. I'm literally putting my life on the line. Verse 15, here's how the Lord answers. The Lord said to him, go, for he is, chosen, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him much how he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias... He departed and entered the house. So here Ananias is like, all right, Lord, if you're telling me to do this, I'm going to cut this umbilical cord. I'm going to come out of my prayer closet. I'm going to come out of my church. I'm going to come out of my home, and I am going to walk into the very thing that you are telling me to do, the very thing that you are calling me to do. I don't care how dangerous it is. I don't care how it may look. I don't care what people may say. I don't care how afraid I am. You said it, and so I'm going to do it. Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. What happens here? Saul is actually made new. He's made new. The scales fell off of his eyes. He was able to see, not just naturally, but now he was able to see spiritually. He was able to see Jesus for who he is. He was able to see himself for who Jesus had told him that he would be. He needed another man and a group of men to, to walk him there and to lay their hands on him because other people are always tied to our purpose. And so when this umbilical cord is cut and you go into another season of life, another season of blessing, another season walking with God, do not think for one second that God does not have men and women to surround you and walk you to the place that you need to go, pray for you and lay hands on you for you to receive everything that God wants you to have. 
Just because God cut the umbilical cord and you're no longer working that nine to five or you no longer have this comfort or doing this or doing that does not mean that God wants you to isolate yourself. You may have to social distance, but God is not interested in us isolating ourselves in this new season. Here, Saul needed these people. And here, Saul is actually made new. And the first thing that he does once he's able to see is he rises and he takes what we see in the New Testament as what's often the very first spiritual act when someone is able to see, when someone gives their life to Christ, and that is they get baptized. They make a decision to say, I have given my life to Jesus. I've made him the Lord. I am now making a decision to let everybody know about it through this, um, this baptism of being baptized in the water. We also know that, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, which is another baptism, which is another message for another day. And then he took food and he was strengthened, so he did what he needed to do in the natural so that he could go out and do the very things that God had called him to do. God had cut that umbilical cord very um, ostentatiously, very dramatically, like it was, it was light from heaven and he falls down and people can hear the voice of the Lord and, and it's like, who are you? Like all of this is dramatic in the cutting of the umbilical cord, but now Saul can no longer operate the same way that he did. When Isaiah was in the womb, he operated one way. Once he came out, he had to operate in a different way. We see this not only with Saul, we see this with the disciples, we see this throughout the scriptures that God God will cut the umbilical cord and the way that you used to get fed before is not the way that you'll get fed com coming up in the coming days. The way that you used to be able even to connect with God and, and, and experience God may not be the way that you continue to do that going forward. And God cuts that umbilical cord. You will find out really quickly, did you believe in God or did you believe in your own faith? Do you trust in God or do you trust in your diligence in getting to a place and getting on your knees or opening your Bible every day? Like, what is it that you're actually trusting in? What is it that you're actually believing in? Can God cut that umbilical cord of your job or that business that you own and you still trust him to provide for you? Do, do you believe that God can provide for you even if you get laid off, even if your hours get cut? Do you believe that God can protect you and keep you whole even if everybody in your family gets coronavirus? Even if everybody on your job gets coronavirus, do you, do you, are you putting your trust in your wisdom, in your mask, in your gloves, in your social distance, or are you putting it in the Lord? Because I'm telling you, prophetically, right now, God is cutting umbilical cords, and we're walking into a new season, and you're going to go, and you're going to think that you're going to get your nutrients, and you're going to be able to sustain life the way that you've been doing it, and that, that cord is cut, and there's nothing there. It doesn't mean that God's left you. It doesn't mean that he's turned his back on you. It means that the cord is cut. Let me read to you some more verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I just want to read two verses here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, From now on, therefore, in verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though... We once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. What was it saying here? Paul's saying, like, we're no longer going to see in the natural. We're no longer going to look at somebody's height, weight, 
stature, clothes, position, title, none of that. Even though that served us in the past, that was our, us being connected to the umbilical cord. That's the way that we sustain life. That's the way that we function. We are no longer going to do that. We're no longer going to do that with any, any people. We're no longer going to do that with Christ. We are going to see the way that God wants us to see. We're going to see people that way. We're going to see Jesus that way. We're going to see ourselves that way. Now, if we had time, you could back up even to verse 14 and see that, that what Paul is talking about here is the love of Christ controlling us and compelling us. So all of that is in line here. And then in verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new creation. He's not a better creation. The newness is better, but it's not about being better. It is you are new. When you, oh, when you have your eyes open, when those scales fall off your eyes and you see who Jesus is and who he's made you to be, you become new when you give your life to him. You become a new creation, something that has never existed before. You are brand new. Yes, you're better, but it's not about being better. It's not about now you don't cuss, now you don't smoke, now you don't drink, now you don't sleep around. It's not about that. It's you are new. You are new. You are in a new kingdom. You are in a new family. You see differently. You are different. You are new. The umbilical cord has been cut. You no longer are in that kingdom of darkness. And now you have been birthed out into the world to be light and in the light. But you know... When I read this, I always thought like, okay, well, I was new when I gave my life to Christ. And yes, that is absolutely accurate. And in context, that's what Paul's talking about here. But I believe that right now in this very season, that God is also making things new. When we finish this verse, it says the old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. The old has passed away. Like even just looking with natural eyes, we can look right now and we can say, the old is passing away. <laughs> you know, we're having to wear masks now. We're having to see if restaurants are open and stay apart from each other and all, all that. Like the old is passing away right before our very eyes. We are in a new, a newness. And we have an opportunity. Actually, the better way of saying that is we have a choice. We have a choice. Are we going to insist on trying to get back on that umbilical cord? Or are we going to allow God to cut that cord and divide us into this newness of life? Leaving the old man and the old ways behind and walk forward in the newness of who he's created us to be. Because right now, God is dividing. That's what he's doing. Maybe like, Pastor, I don't know about that. If you don't believe that, send me a message. I'll give you some scriptures. But I, I believe God is dividing. It's not because he, he doesn't like or he's angry or he doesn't love. It's not because of any of that. This is a season. This is a time where umbilical cords are being cut. And if you're a believer, God has expectations of how you'll respond in this time. Because here's what happens. Any, anytime something's divided, it eventually dies. 
there's a story in the Old Testament (laughs) um, where these two women come to Solomon, two women, one baby, and they're both saying that they're the mother of this child. And Solomon has to determine who's actually the mother. And so Solomon says, you know what? Let's cut this baby in half. Let's divide this baby in half. Give half of it to this woman, half of it to that woman. We all know you do that, the baby's dead. Like that division, that's clear, that's, that's death, right? And so the true mother says, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that because she knows division is death, literally in this case. But listen, division is death in relationships, and it's also death spiritually. Here's what happens. Married people, when they have problems, if they don't work them out, if they don't take them to God, then what happens? Then they separate. There's division. If they don't work it out, if they don't uh, unify and come back together, then what happens after that? Then, sep- then separation leads to divorce, which is the death of that marriage. Even death in the natural, all death is in the natural is our spirit man leaving our body, which is a division between our spirit and our body. Once our spirit divides and creates that division from our body, it's called death. And so right now, when God is dividing and he's cutting this umbilical cord to some things that have been in your past that you've relied on, and maybe it was okay for that season, maybe it wasn't, but God is saying right now, I'm cutting that, those things need to die, I have divided them, don't try to resuscitate them, don't try to go back to them, a toddler, a newborn, uh, uh, any, any human being alive, that you cannot go back, once that umbilical cord has been cut, it becomes useless very quickly to that boy, to that child, you can't go back, God is saying let those things die. Because I have something new. And if you will trust me, if you will follow me, then you'll look and you'll see the old has passed away. The new has come and the new is so much better. The new is so much more free. The new is so much more powerful. The new has so much more peace. The new is what God is doing right now. He's cutting the umbilical cords. And we, we have to decide, are we willing to go with God? Because as long as we keep trying to cry for that umbilical cord and trying to return to that umbilical cord, not only is it not going to work, we're wasting time. We're losing traction. We're getting behind. The world's changing. <laughs> the old things are passing by. Let's not let them pass us by. Let's for once be the body of Christ that gets ahead, not in the world, not, not, not for fame or fortune, not any of that, but let's for once be the body of Christ, the church of the living God who gets ahead and, and, and walks in this newness to be able to reach more people from him, to be able to walk in our purposes. Let's not get stuck in the old. There was a time where the church said that telephones were of the devil, email was of the devil, devil, social media is of the devil. Well, listen, right now we are giving you the word of God on social media. You can fight email all you want, but like you're not getting 
hired by anybody. You're not starting a business if you don't at least have an email account. Maybe phones, maybe that is outdated. I don't know, but there was a time where like you had to have a phone, you had to have a phone number. We can fight these things and try to stay in the past, but God has divided. He wants us to let not necessarily those things, but things in our lives die so that the new can come because as long as we continue to grab a hold of the old, we have no capacity, we have no room for the new, and we are going to get left in the dust. We're going to be carrying things and not moving as quickly as God wants us to move to walk into the newness that he's called us to walk into. And it's vital. It's not just vital for you. It's vital for him and the kingdom. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.